Sure. Or as my wife said, that was the best 30 seconds of my life. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We're at episode 761. We're back again. It's February 21, and all four of us are here for the first time in three weeks. I'm Sebastian Peake. Still Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Spruenberg. And yes, there was an email, and I tried to make up for not having one last week by indeed sending it early this week so that you can enjoy it longer. You can support PC Perspective by going to patreon.com slash PCPer. Yes, we are unique among content creators on YouTube and other channels by having a Patreon where we beg people in our audience to support us financially so that we don't have to close shop and uh, go home. So uh, we thank our patrons this week, Milk MD and Mark R. Big shout out. Mark R. You should have said that loud. Big shout out to Mark R. Mark R. There you I, go. I know what his last name actually is, but I'm not sure that he wants us to say it, which Ruffalo? is why you Probably should not. use... Hmm. Which is why you should use a uh, kind of a, another term, another make up something, make it fun. I'm still stuck name. on the milk doctor, like milk, yeah. milk MD, milk doctor, yeah. Doctor Milk, mm-hmm. Doctor yeah. Milk, Milk MD. Yep, sounds like a shout out to you guys. Thank you so much. Actually, Thank you too much. It used to be a uh, I couldn't help but notice. Fortune with one week, I'm not on the show. We get two new patrons. There's probably a correlation. So thanks yeah. for that. They felt sorry for us. They said, oh, man, the numbers are dwindling. Only three mm-hmm. people now. This is what the show could be. Just I could just be the producer in the background. We have mm-hmm. our three panelists. Mm-hmm. Bachelor number one. Let's game it out. Sarcastic Let's Canadian. game it out. Okay. No. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's... Let's move to the burger segment. I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to be presumptuous and say it is for sure a burger. It could be any kind of food. Sometimes Josh lives on the wild side, but we are going mm. to have him explain mm-hmm. himself yet again. <clears throat> I will. Uh, you know, apparently they didn't get the uh, the burger special prepped, so there's no burger special. That's pouring over the menu, and finally, I I decided on barncho tots. Now, barncho tots are truly a tremendous appetizer. In fact, they're the full meal. First, you have a a bed of tots, and on top of that, you pour white queso. And then on top of that, you give a generous helping of cheese. And on top of that, you get smoked pork, then mixed with fresh-cut jalapenos, red onions, more cheese, and finally topped with a spicy barbecue sauce. And those are the Boncho Tots, and they're, yeah, I'm not going to eat for two days after that. And it was a <laughs> lot of food. I'm not going to live past 60. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just giving up now. So, got nine years, eight and a half. So, enjoy it. Six after that. Yeah, Barncho Tots, they're fantastic. Just just come to town and buy them and enjoy. Because they're they're fat fabulous. Yeah, listen to Josh. Uh eat this food and die young. 
What an endorsement. <laughs> you know, 60 yeah. is the new 47 and three quarters. I thought age yes. was supposed to go up. I thought your life expectancy was supposed to go up with improvements in modern medicine. And all that it stuff. used hmm. to be, but it, it, it ain't no more. We have found well, you know a way the biggest to thing? feed ourselves into the grave. Gotcha. Yeah, no. Uh, smoking. Smoking is what we have discovered that. No, that's what kept people alive. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> not good for you. I so mean, it uh, had some um, amazing effects on uh, on your skin. So hmm. people who are forty five and looked sixty, uh, yeah, then you know, sun. Wait, is this why you look outside. so young? Because you get yeah. no sun and you don't smoke. Exactly. Okay. I don't have. I mean. Uh, yeah, the lighting's not great, but I don't have many wrinkles, but I don't smile your, a lot either. Your face looks very smooth. I've never actually touched your face, uh, even when I had the chance. Oh, you're I, I chose out. not to. Yeah, well, I don't remember Alan if I touched the top of your head or not. But once, <laughs> Alan touched your face. Did he touch it with no. his face? No. Was it like a gentle caress? No. No, no he slapped me because uh, I wouldn't oh. stop snoring. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. In our first news story, we've got to talk about Nvidia financials. They they're hot off the presses just after the closing bell of the stock exchange, I think today they were announcing their financial results for apparently the fourth quarter of 2024, but that's just how, in- yeah. how Nvidia does things. Yeah. It's all because of how they did their IPO back in the day, but yeah, no, it's it's their latest quarter and uh they slammed it. So uh, quarterly revenue of $22.1 billion, right? Record full year revenue of $60.9 billion. Their net earnings uh, was what? 12 point something billion dollars. I mean, $12.285 billion. That's, that's, that's pure profit. They had a 76% gross margin, which is so disgusting for a fabulous semiconductor. It's it's just, it's it's ludicrous. I, I believe uh, Take Him uh, uh, looked at some numbers. And he said, in four quarters time, their data center has gone up 400 and some odd percent. Uh, five quarters ago, it was the same amount of money as their gaming revenue from video cards. Uh, and that was like $3.4 billion at that time for both of those, which, you know, was a, was a big thing that, you know, their data center broke even with gaming, which had powered the company through the vast majority of its entire existence. And now uh, gaming was $2.8 billion this quarter and data center was eighteen point six billion dollars or some you know it was, it was over 18 yeah. billion and 18, uh yeah so it's pretty close you know 200 yeah, million here up there it's chump change to nvidia and jensen <laughs> um <laughs> the largest quarter that intel ever had now intel is the 800 pound gorilla of of the silicon industry right i mean they are the chip maker their biggest quarter was 20.52 billion so NVIDIA topped that by 1.6 or so, uh, which is In just insane. Yeah. And uh, if you look at AMD and Intel this past quarter, 
their combined revenue uh, only really only just barely scraped Nvidia's overall. Um, it's just ludicrous how well this company is doing. Um, yeah, good for them. And uh, AI is is the name of the game right now, and they're selling everything that they can. Uh, these large language models and everything else, uh, they take up so much performance and every little bit that is getting thrown in is getting bought up and being applied to these usage. Uh, what, uh, Google just released their Gemini, uh, product. Um, Microsoft has their, uh, co-pilot, but that's local, um, yeah, everybody else is is got these 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 you know machine learning, large language models, this this art and video stuff. Um, it's insane, and um, but you know, good for them. Um, gaming revenue was was flat, which you know not great, not bad. Uh, they did refresh things with Super at the end of the uh, quarter. Um, that moved the, the needle a little bit, but yeah, AI, $18 billion in the data center. That's, that's just, that's just nuts. And I mean, you know, the rest of the stuff is, is doing well, but that's the, uh, that's, that's the prime motivator of the entire company at this moment. And they're making some serious bank off of it. And yeah, when do you see a 76% margin ever? I think the last time I, I remember a company going from just nothing to being the top of the league. It was, you know, Cisco in the mid nineties where nobody heard of Cisco. Yeah. And then suddenly the internet happened and Cisco was, was the backbone of it all. And their business expanded hugely. And uh, I think NVIDIA's uh, ramp with uh, the machine learning stuff. I mean, even though they've supported it forever, I mean, GP, GPU, uh, you know, uh, applying, um, a lot of workloads to the programmable shaders that they introduced with the FX series way back in the day, the, the floating point programmable shaders, um, and always trying to find more workloads for that type of compute, which year after year after year after year, um, it's been like the only thing that, that has really you know stuck true to Moore's law. I mean, they've just doubled and doubled performance 18 months and yeah. And now we're, we're at these, you know, huge chips, uh, you know, chiplets on, on uh, interposer with high speed, you know, bandwidth and memory and HBM and all of that. And they're just slamming it. Uh, and they've got the software framework, which interesting enough, Jim Keller talked about a little bit. He's Kuda's still a bit of a swamp, but it's the swamp that people know. So Yeah. They're doing well. What do you What do you guys think? Well, I was trying to slip in a grocery store chain joke there because they're about the only ones that have seen <laughs> profit margins the way that Nvidia has. But yeah, us poor gamers, we're, we're just a tiny little piece of their market now. They we're really not that important anymore. They don't even need to be in the gaming market anymore at all. If this is sustainable, no. And why would you? Well, it's waste... sustainable. They're making money. Why would but... you? Why would you waste, uh, you know, money on wafers from TSMC that are not going into twenty and thirty thousand dollar, you know, AI accelerators? Soon enough, we've been down LLM chips. 
4090 is a big chip. It is, but the 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 thing is, is that this too will not last. Well, I mean, I mean, eventually they're going to sell enough of these things, and there's going to be Intel in there with uh, you know their Gaudi based stuff, and and AMD with the M three hundred X and A. There's going to be more people offering products that will fit this workload. And everybody, you know, the, the rising tide raises all ships and everybody's going to get into it. But eventually, eventually, um, <laughs> you can only supply so much power to uh, data centers and cooling and the orders will stop and people will have to make do with what they have. And I think that we're only about a year away from from that. Uh, there are some people who think it's two to three years out that we're going to have growth like this from um, NVIDIA and AMD and, and Intel and the AI market. But I just, I just don't, I, I, I see it petering out in, in probably about a year where they're not going to experience this kind of growth. And that's the good news and the bad news is that, you know, see- bad news is that the growth is not sustainable. And the good news is the growth is not sustainable. And, and so you need to keep the markets that you know is still the foundation of of your technology and and that is still consumer graphics gaming gaming is a multi-billion dollar um venue for them and i mean it would be foolish of them to just drop out and say amd and intel can do this we're just going to focus on ai and then you know ai implodes and it's like we just have destroyed our entire market share in the the gaming industry uh they're not going to do that but their, you know, their focus is definitely on the higher margin AI stuff, which is paying the bills and inflating their share price. So you're suggesting they learn from the crypto crash, then? Oh, I think right, they. Were, I think they have. Yeah, Brett was going to make a point. I hope they did, because otherwise, yep. there's been a suggestion that this curve of AI adoption might follow very similar lines to what happened to the internet itself with servers and server space, where yep. at first everybody kind of did their own, and I see that in like sort of the AI space, the in the LLM space, where a lot of people are taking time to program their own or build up their own or train their own, and they're needing a lot of this infrastructure to do this. You may see a, a shakeout like we did several years into the the uh, maturation of the internet itself and the server where you, you ended up with kind of like a few big companies like the Microsoft's, the, the Amazon's of the world hosting very, very large data centers and doing a lot of things well enough for people to say, you know, we don't need to build this ourselves anymore. We can buy a very capable package offline. So you may see this initial ramp up where a lot of people are doing investments to kind of roll their own, but further on, when the big companies uh, will tend to do something a little bit better, add a little bit more bells and whistles to it, make it a little bit easier to on-ramp, you may see that sort of fall off. I don't know if that's three years away or a year, Josh, but I kind of see that curve following the same way as the internet and the server space did itself. So you're saying that this is kind of like the BBS era where everybody's got a server, <laughs> two modems. No, a bit further and... on, but yeah. May, oh, may, okay. The idea is similar, but the, the the technology Everyone's people might not be able to get past servers. this. The technology. Yeah. Everyone's doing well, I mean, yeah. the fake clouds. Their own web they're, server. They're yeah. Only. Oh, good. I'm unmuted. They're, you know, 
everybody's got budgets, even these big companies, yep. you know, a, uh, um, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Meta, whoever. And yeah, they're, they're expending a huge amount to get all of these things in there, but eventually they're going to say, Hey, do we have a product that we can actually make money on? Or are we just burning these dollars because AI is the exciting thing right now? And you know, how are we making, how are we making money on this stuff? Um, and so once they kind of get past this, you know, expansion phase of everything is exciting. We've, we've got to get ahead of this, of, of the competition. Okay. Well, how do we, how do we actually monetize this? I mean, we're not getting a whole lot of money by somebody going uh, onto our, our site and saying, paint me a picture of a guy walking his dog. I mean, yeah, it'll paint it. It may have an ad on there, and that ad is not going to be paying the price for the energy consumed by making that silly little picture. Um, you know, there are other things that that obviously they're hoping to do with with AI, um, medical research, um, diagnoses, um, you know, all this other stuff that that it could be work for, but you're going to have years of testing and making sure it actually works and is consistent, not like these large language models that sound like they know what they're talking about when you, but when you actually start digging into what they've written out, you know, it's all made up bullshit. And uh, yeah, um, people think that's coming years down the line. And, and, but I, I, I just see that happening next December through January, February. I, I think that mm-hmm. we're going to see, uh, a huge amount of, of spending cuts on uh, the hardware. And, you know, AMD is going to make some money and Intel's going to make some money and NVIDIA is certainly going to make some money. But it's it's not going to keep growing at this rate. It just can't. Yeah. And we're starting to see more uh, electronic strokes like uh, ChatGBT earlier yesterday and today. It, yeah, it, it lost, went its, it lost just, its freaking mind. Yeah, yeah. it just <laughs> went nuts. And this will keep happening. I think you saw it first in in Halo when they had to when they they had to kill the AIs after a period of time they go insane. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Shall we move to the next? Uh, not fabulous semiconductor company, but we're going to talk about Intel. Not earnings, but they're I guess relaunching. They're launching. Intel we know has a fab. Intel Foundry Services, I think it's called. Well, not anymore, because they are launching Intel Foundry. I know it's really exciting. You know, yes. it's actually, it is exciting. Um, mm-hmm. there, there are a lot of uh, people who kind of looking at this and thinking, you know, how how long till Intel spins off, uh, spins off its its foundries like AMD did? And I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. It's way too closely integrated with uh, what Intel is doing, and they're not losing money like AMD did, uh, where they had to actually shed uh, material resources to make sure that they kept the company afloat. So I, I don't see them getting rid, but they are going to increase the utilization of their fabs by offering these products. And and it used to, I mean, it used to be that um, the tools Intel used, I mean, it was kind of like the John Carmack of, uh, of game development in that everything was really close to the metal. Um, he didn't have, you know, happy, fun 
tools to work with, like Unreal Editor did when when it came out. Uh, but the stuff was, you know, really tightly coupled and worked well. And and you know, the software was was it was it was good. It just wasn't easy to develop for. And there's a reason why the Quake engine became less popular uh, for people licensing and Unreal became kind of the de facto is because the editing tools, uh, and the other software tools were so much better. And the same thing was with Intel. Their foundries was, the, I mean, when they offered that out to people in the past, in the past 10 years, they had some initial customers come in. It was just very hard to develop products uh, for the Intel stuff, just because one, these guys didn't have knowledge of it. Two, the tools that Intel had were, were I mean, it was it was all in-house stuff where you had engineers who'd worked there for years and years that were familiar with it and knew how to use it. And it was not intuitive to people who were coming in right off the bat and trying to figure it out, especially when they were dealing with other uh, third-party foundries like TSMC, UMC, who had, you know, design libraries. And, and then they also use, you know, Cadence and Synopsys uh, software to, you know, develop these RTLs and uh, RTMs. I can't remember too many acronyms um, that it was just hard to develop for. And, and but now Intel is, is working with their partnerships with, you know, these, these uh, software EDA guys and uh, they're getting libraries out and then they're making it a lot easier for these third party uh, fabulous semi companies to come in and actually make chips on these, uh, you know, on the Intel foundries. And the, the last thing Intel wants to do is stop any line and stop production because all the people who work there, they're going to get furloughed and laid off. And restarting one of those is yeah. a complex operation. And so they want them going 24 7, 365. And to do that, you you may need more customers because your parts aren't selling as well as, as they used to be. Well, look at all these mature technologies that they uh, they offer. Intel 7, they've got Intel 16 and 16E and their mature nodes. Interesting, in this uh, press kit, the Foundry process roadmap they showed, it's, it's been updated. And you can see that they have Intel 20A and 18A. They've announced 14A. And under lead and expand, which is somewhere in between the 2024 and 2027, there's no actual year there, it says they will have the industry's first high NA EUV. So, yes. 20, yeah, they showed pictures oh. of that thing being delivered, and uh, it's a massive thing, and it's going to take six months <clears throat> to actually install in the fab that they're going to use it at. Six Ooh. months to install Jeez. an instrument, and like twenty-five engineers. It's 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 a big deal. And one sneeze, and it all goes to hell. Pretty much. <laughs> we already know about the 14th gen, which is a refresh of the 13th gen. And uh, it pulls a lot of power. We're talking about desktop processors here, like the 14900K, which I recently uh, attempted to cool with a dual tower air cooler with interesting results that we may talk about later. Uh, But they are apparently readying a 14900KS. Multiple outlets are reporting, this one is PC Gamer, that multiple retailers have a 14900KS CPU 
showing up in their systems and something like the same price as the 13900KS I'm guessing limited availability 699 retail tag it'll show up later in the secondary market for a thousand bucks because this is going to have to be a really really high there it is bin. 400 watts above 400 watts Come on, this is the only way to get to 6.2 gigahertz. 6.2. 6.2. And what kind of voltage? Because obviously, not every 1400K is created equal. You Look, know, the, you had the, no trouble at 1.4-ish. 1.6? Oh, sorry. 1.6. I was monitoring HW Info 64 watching this thing under load. And like, why is it requesting over 1.6 volts? What is this? I don't trust it. But if you lower it down in the like this system setup to like 1.4, 1.45, you're not hitting the same clock speeds, at least not my chip. Now, every chip is different, and there have been videos about this recently about how it's, it really is like a silicon lottery out there. They're going to hit their advertised clock speeds, but they'll take a lot more power and voltage to do it unless you get like a golden sample. But I guess the 14900KS will have to be something of a golden sample, though, according to this, if, if it's really hitting 400 watts that's just what can cool this you've got to have it delitted in a custom loop or else it's just going to be throttling at 100 degrees anyway so why why i guess is my question because happily because excess is never enough oh you know interesting because uh um there there are reports out now that the 13 and 1400 top end chips from Intel uh, after months of use and, and, you know, pretty solid gaming and whatnot uh, is starting to uh, crash in unreal titles Hmm. that there may be some degradation That comes up later. It comes up. Really? Oh, does it? Okay. It does actually. It does. uh, Where does it say that? I'm sorry. It's okay. Probably Uh, item item three, number three. All right. Uh, the next news story comes from videocards.com. Let's talk about AMD now. And they have uh, apparently paused the RX 7600 XT launch in China, cracking down on 6750 GRE sales below MSRP. It, we talked about the 6000 series as being the primary competition to AMD 7000 series when the 7600 XT launched here, because you could buy a 6700 XT for the same price or maybe even 10 bucks less and get better performance. And uh, they don't like that very much. They don't like retailers trying to get rid of the 6,000 series to sell the 7,000 series when they're trying to shove the 7,000 series into the market. And, you know, now they're going to have to control those prices. So I just thought it was interesting because of uh, our own our own findings about the 7600 XT launch and how it was uh, odd. It was odd timing to push out a product that was selling for the same price as their Mm-hmm. existing Six, product yeah. still in the marketplace. But it's you gotta like wonder how, 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 how soon those other ones will just dry up. I don't know. This is not a legal podcast, but let's briefly mention via Tech Power Up that Cooler Master is suing Silverstone, Enermax, and their OEM, which is uh, original equipment manufacturer. Thank you. Apoltech. Whoa. A-P-A-L- T-E-K. Apoltech. So they, they say that all these different, you know, patents 
three of them apparently are being infringed upon from various models and they uh how dare you they're not making friends in the industry right now the Cooler Master suit, I'm quoting the article, alleges that the pump inside radiator design choice is a Cooler Master invention, as is the ARGB mini controller. Wait, that's pretty broad. You mean just the ARGB mini controller yeah. in general? Because that's going to be every That's controller. not very cool, guys. In the... Uh, so follow that with uh, great interest, I'm sure. Let's have a follow-up to a previous story on PC Perspective podcast a couple weeks ago we talked about the uh stapum s-t-a-p-m issue the skin temperature something monitoring performance monitor i think yeah was this the icon problem or which one are we talking about the the new apus which are based on mobile chips so like the 8700 g things like that ryzen they were throttling after I think it was like 980 seconds, something like that, uh, no matter what. And it uh, has been corrected. I pulled up the board that we have. Uh, AMD supplied this uh, MSI B650 Gaming Plus Wi-Fi with our Ryzen samples. And there's a BIOS uh, dated the 7th. So this has been a while now. I could have updated this days ago to a uh, GISA combo... Uh, let's see, 1.1.0.2b fixed STAPM issue for Ryzen 8000 series. So I, I can't wait to flash the BIOS and uh, try again. It's going to be very exciting. Does it, come, yeah. Does it come with a caution not to put it on your lap now? Oh, well, especially if you only have one BIOS on that card. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. Hmm. That's okay. I've got two uh, AM5 ports now. I feel very... Uh, Privileged. I've got the launch one from two years ago, and now I've got this other side port. That's two more than I have. So, good job on that. Mm-hmm. I, and I, speaking of MSI and AM5 boards, now this is a pre-release sample. You could not buy AM5 when AMD Ooh. sent this for the launch. This is the Ace mm. board, and it's a very nice-looking board. It's very heavy, and it has a back plate. And uh, oh wow, you know, it's it's, it's EATX. It is. It's almost a perfect square. It feels like it weighs about five pounds. I don't know what it is actually. But well, uh, the back this is probably a good chunk of it. This board, I have been through so much with this board. I have spent so much time down here by myself, waiting, and waiting, and waiting for memory training that just never happens, and then rebooting and clearing the CMOS and starting over again, trying different How dims. Many- how many memory sticks did it burn? Uh, so far, I've lost two sets of DDR5 in this board as well, which is really fun. <laughs> right. That's what I thought. What so I, thought. I yeah. decided to retire the board and use that other MSI board they yeah. sent, even though it's only a B650. But then I said, you know what? What if it's something really simple? What if it's like a little flake of thermal paste against a pin? What if it's uh, mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. in one of the dim slots that's been causing all these mm-hmm. issues? So I... Yeah. thoroughly clean this. I don't know if you can tell on camera how, it looks how shiny. shiny this board is. It looks is. like you just peeled the uh, just peeled the protective plastic off, honestly. I, I was using alcohol and Q-tips and I sprayed it with my um, electric, uh, what is it called? It's like a canned air replacement you plug in. It's like, I don't, I don't know, know, I thought you were going to say hose. 
No. Your data I didn't, vac. I didn't, I didn't use any water. It's like a reverse vacuum thing. I don't know what it is called. Air duster. <laughs> maximum setting. Anyway. And I just blasted the dim slots and stuff. So I'm going to give it another chance. This board and I, we've spent so much time together. It's like it's like a marriage. It's it's it, You have your ups and downs, but I'm not it just going to throw it again. away because it tries, I hate it. It tries to set you on fire a couple of times. It's just like a marriage. Yeah. We, we hate each other, but we're still together. For the sake of the kids, right here, the little, the little CPU. You know the the initial Ryzen and uh, uh, what was the uh, the series? Uh, the was that a three? Why is my mind going blank? The X three. His mind is gone. Sixty. Gosh what? dang it! X three D. What? No, 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 no. The the the, the chipset, the five X five seventy. Okay, X five X four seventy X three seventy was the first. Yeah, that was. Yeah. And I tell you, we point. we bought one of those for the company I was working for, and let me tell you, it was it was a BIOS update every two weeks, and it was a <laughs> super super uh, uh, not stable solution. And it wasn't until the uh, the 400 series, along with the Ryzen 2000, they fixed a lot of things. And still, I, we had issues running at uh, at DDR4 3200 um, at the timings that they they said. And finally, finally, you know, after about a year, uh, they they improved GSA, all of that, all the basic firmware stuff that you can get them to run. And now, you know, finally, USB. we're at the point with the the new with USB. Oh, don't mention yeah. the USB. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Next news story, Google. They're offering a long-term alternative to Windows 11. Long-term Chrome OS Flex updates. So forget about TPM chips, paying for long-term support at some point. Because uh, Chrome OS is free, right? Or do you have to pay for it? No. They're, they're sending this for free. And it will run on just about anything you've got. Uh, this is well-timed because uh, later this year, uh, Windows 10 dies. And although they didn't mention it, uh, there's an upcoming Windows 11 patch, which will also kill older hardware. You will literally run a patch and that machine will never boot again. So Chrome sort of said, oh, Alphabet sort of said, hey, you know what? Chrome OS Flex. I mean, you can just sort of install it on anything. Uh, we've got some enterprise uh, level ways of taking care of it. And uh, hey, instead of having to uh, throw out all your old hardware and worry about e-waste, sorry, I mean, uh, buying a new fleet for your company's employees, just move over to Chrome because the Apple users will love it. Um, I mean, at least the Android users will be fine with it. Generally, you can skin it to look more or less like Windows. And so it's an interesting idea. Uh, it will certainly be a hard sell, I think, for a lot of corporations, uh, especially those that have used Chromebooks before. They're like, well, but I like local storage. Well, you, you still will have local storage with these, although it's going to want you to upload stuff. So yeah, the idea is that if you've got a fleet of Windows 10 or stuff that's about uh, 8, 10 years old uh, that will no longer be able to run Windows 11 after the October update, boom, 
just switch over to this and decide what you want to do later on. And they're going to keep pumping out security updates for it. Or at least they say they will. We'll see how long that lasts. It could be a very interesting way for Alphabet to snag a bunch of market share uh, without making any money somehow. That's the part I'm kind of questioning. Well, they can just, uh, I guess they already surveil everybody anyway, and they know where you're going well, because of you know, Google Maps is always tracking your location everywhere you go. And Well, I turn that off in my phone. Uh, yeah, they honor that, never right? really off. Yeah, totally. Wow. Yep. Along with a microphone. And, uh... <laughs> so it, uh, it seems like ARM just made an announcement today that they are introducing their latest version of the Neoverse offerings. Uh, they haven't gone into a huge amount of technical detail. They, they talked about it some. I imagine a lot of it is going to be in the editor's day uh, later on this spring. But they introduced uh, two new things. Um, well, first, let's just take a small step back. Because AI is everything. And ARM has made some really exceptionally big partnerships. And we can see the three big ones here, NVIDIA, AWS, and Microsoft. They have all <clears throat> utilized ARM technology to prepare a series of products uh, that, you know, go from, from AI to CPU to, you know, as you can see there, the, the DPUs. Um, for the last several years, ARM's been kind of an in, in, interesting place that they they introduced their own NPU, which was called Ethos, probably about five years ago, I think. And there was, you know, some excitement about that. Here's going to be this, you know, machine learning AI uh, portion that that is going to be, you know, one teraflop unit uh, with these kind of uh, um, you know use cases that would consume half a watt, which is high performance, you know, high efficiency, but it never took off. And so what they ended up doing is uh, starting to adjust their GPUs and CPUs to be more efficient in these machine learning uh, applications. And so it just means, you know, kind of expanding out uh, different type of, of data types that, that it can, it can do, you know, going down to like int eight, and for stuff like that, that really uh, helps out in, in these, you know, uh, workloads that, that they're looking at. And so they've advanced that to the point and they've also now gone to chiplets um, in some of the things. So these are really highly modular parts. Uh, they've got the N and the V, the N3 and the V3. N3 is kind of the performance oriented, but higher efficiency up to 32 cores. And it's the uh, one N3 CSS, CSS N3. Um, and so it's going to be a, uh, you know, a, a really efficiency optimized platform. Again, it can go up to 32 cores. It can go down to eight cores. Um, they have a very, very flexible uh, interface. It supports, you know, all of the, the major things like PCI 5.0, uh, CCAX6, I think. Um, there's going to be more in there, but uh, the V3 is is their high performance, so that can go up to 128 cores. So you're going to have two 128 cores per socket. So you can have a chip with 64 cores 
and it will be die-to-die interconnects uh, with another 64 uh, core. It can handle up to DDR5, uh, LDDDR5, and as we've seen in the AWS pictures, it actually supports HBM, which I believe Grace Hopper is as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of flexibility in the design. Uh, the thing that they're really proud of in this is that you can go nine months from specking out a part to actually getting it into production. Um, and that's that's part of, of the offerings that uh, ARM gives their customers. Um, they try to make it as easy as possible. Uh, you can see the V3 cores here on the picture. You got a lot of I.O. You've got a lot of memory and you have that die to die connection with other chips. So you can have up to 128 cores per socket, which is, you know, really nice. And uh, this is not just, you know, AI and, and machine learning workloads. It's cloud, high performance computing. Um, they do databases, does Java, does Python. I mean, it, it, it handles all these things and it's really well supported. And, you know, with the big guys, even Microsoft, making their own large chips based on ARM technology, um, they've, they've seen greater support than they've ever had in their entire existence. And they continue that on a yearly basis. So we've got these two things coming out, the N2, N3, and then V4, uh, V3. I haven't even really been drinking tonight. It's just too much talking to me. I, I, I just can't do it anymore. Um, and yeah. So that's their Neoverse. Uh, it's it's updated. I thought there was one other thing that they were talking about. Oh, yeah. They did talk about the chiplets. Um, and cooking on these chips to accelerators, you have a lot of benefits there. Cost reduction is, is, is huge because you don't have to have one massive chip to be able to, you know, get it all to work together. You just utilize <clears throat> chiplets. And you can reuse chiplets with new products that have other new chiplets. So it's, it's, you know, like, as I said, the performance is there. Heterogeneous compute, no reticle limits. You can make an absolute giant chip. Their chipless system architecture, CSA, which some people are, are kind of cranky about that name, but you know, get over it, dude, Phil. Anyway, other <laughs> Phil, not any, uh, but yeah, it's, um, you know they're 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 being um, aggressive in their designs, and uh, Hopper from Nvidia is a very advanced design uh, for what they're doing, and it is all based on ARM architecture. Well, except for the graphics part, that's that's obvious in obviously Nvidia, but you know a lot of the system interconnect, all of that stuff, uh, interconnect in, in the CPUs. I mean, it's it's just they're they're taking Neoverse and they're running with it. So, um, you know, it's a big announcement. We'll find out more uh, later on this spring from ARM about uh, what exactly some of the nuts and bolts of this is. And, um, you know, I'm real curious if, if they will bring back their Ethos NPUs just because now we have AMD uh, with their latest mobile chips actually have an NPU in there. And, uh, you know, this was an effective, cost-effective way to get better AI ML performance out of it by integrating these, you know, standalone NPUs with their designs. But again, they, they just were not popular until essentially recently. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious if they're going to keep going towards, 
integrated more functionality into their CPUs and GPUs without having an MPU, or will they just kind of supercharge the operation by reintroducing uh, their own kind of updated MPU for this this marketplace? Uh, We don't know the answer to that yet, so it's going to be interesting to see. I'd kind of be shocked if they didn't go both ways. It's ARM. Well, I mean, they will go. Well, they'll they'll definitely go to the CPU, GPU to have better capabilities for machine learning. Uh, But yeah, I don't, I don't know. And yeah, ARM, uh, ARM is now a, uh, as, as uh, Commander Paul mentioned, um, they, they are a large partner uh, with Intel now with their foundry services. And they're working very closely with them to make sure those partners can fabricate their chips uh, with Intel Foundry uh, as seamlessly as the others. And Intel is ecstatic about that, apparently. But, but don't get Intel wrong. x86 is still the future, not ARM. It is. So It is. It, yeah. Yes. Mm. Obviously. Mm-hmm. It's obvious. I mean, all mm. these phones out ARM there. ARM just with, extends their reach a bit. x86. But does it exceed their grasp? Well, we shall see, shall we not? Hmm. Let us move to in security corner now, which this, is this is segment. when I can stop talking and go and refill my scotch. <laughs> yeah, right? this is the part of the show yes, where yes, Brett and Jeremy. I just talk. break into cold sweats. Mm-hmm. I don't You're need to be here anyway. Stuff. Although it's yeah. been worse. I think it's this no segment of the show, people really do need to go refill their scotch. You're one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but Josh yes. is drinking water. Yeah, it's not going to help. Now he is. Now he is. He wasn't. Vodka or something. Oh, I see. I'm double fisting it. Scotch with a vodka chaser. Yeah. Mm. Just in time. All right. Let's let's first story from Bleeping Computer, as usual. VMware urges admins to remove deprecated vulnerable auth plugin. Authorization. And yes, do commonly referred to as EAP for seamless login to vSphere's management interface via Windows authentication and Windows-based smart card functionality on Windows client systems. The funniest thing that I, well, not funny. It's nearly not funny. I take that back. This is a 9.6 out of 10 uh, on the CVE score uh, for those of you keeping uh, track at home. So it's a bad one. However, uh, interestingly enough, there's a server-side component Typically, you sort of see these these um, distributed systems have a patch that's against the server. Not in this case. It needs a patch against the server. So this extension needs to be removed from the server side. But you also must remove the plugin if you're using it in a browser on the client side. So if you have this plugin, you may not have noticed it being activated in a long time. You may have installed it years ago and forgotten about it. If you have a system with EAP... Uh, for VM VMware in your browser, definitely go take a look. And if you do, remove it because it's uh, out of date, no longer uh, viable, and definitely now hackable. Well, there's a nice little PowerShell thing that you're looking at right now, and we won't read it out for the audio listeners, but uh, just look it up, and it'll just kill that service. Yes, but and not only on the server side, you must kill it on yeah. in your browser as well. So do your part. I may have to write another Intune app tomorrow. Yeah, do do your part, everybody. Next, capture the pitter-pat of fingerprints on touchscreens. 
Is this just looking at uh, fingerprints and figuring out somebody's passcode on their Android phone, or, or what is this? No. Uh, as the uh, various scary headlines have been reading for the past couple of days, people can capture your fingerprints with a microphone by you swiping on or by typing on uh, a keyboard. No, that that's not actually what it is. What it is is they found a way that with large swiping motions on a machine that has a microphone, which is currently active and attached to said touch screen, they have actually found a way to map out your fingerprints. Now, print listener, which is what they call it, is around 27.4% effective or something like that for capturing a partial fingerprint. A little bit scary, but really not that great for defeating biometrics. And full fingerprints, about one in 10 times. That's a little more than you'd want, but essentially what we're talking about is you're on a Discord voice chat or FaceTime, and you're bored, so you're using your phone and making large swiping gestures. If someone is on there and running the software which is used to capture the audio of your finger scraping across the screen, there is a chance they can actually capture what your fingerprint looks like because it will sound different depending on the ridges. The whole someone with a shotgun might can get your fingerprints from listening to you type. No, that's not what it is. This is very specific and really is just don't leave a live mic on a conversation you're not taking part in, especially if you're going to go crazy and start swiping all over the place and, you know, jump on your Tinder and start swiping left or right or whichever app you prefer. <laughs> you, you know, know that whatever, is, you, whatever uh, you do with your, your phone. Yeah. And they'd also have to make sure and, so, you know, handy tip, the finger you use for your biometrics, don't necessarily use this, the same one you use for typing, because that would completely destroy things. If, if your biometric is your middle finger and you swipe with your index finger, not much is going to come of this. The, the whole tech behind it is kind of terrifying. The idea that, you know, one in four, they're getting a partial, one in 10 there, they can get a full, you know, that's, that's a little bit worrisome, but it's nowhere near as bad as what a lot of the headlines would have you say. Still, yeah, that's uh, interesting. And the lovely thing about technology is it only gets better. There's probably a very well-trained AI model behind those. uh, Yes, there is. Yeah. I just think that if you have a good enough microphone set up that just, they can actually pick up the sound differences between different swipes on your phone then you yep. you're you're too hi-fi just take a step back you don't your your streaming setup is too expensive if it's that high fidelity get a logitech headset mic from like 1998 <laughs> keep it away i, I think your phone i really think this is uh, uh phone mics so certainly not yes. high end i mean no a surface tablet too i would think Oh, okay. Those yeah. array or microphones are pretty good. Like you've got like multi mic yeah. things, but I how did they prove this? Are they using like two thousand dollar Sennheiser microphones in this study, or are they actually like, no, we just recorded people on Discord <laughs> chat? Does this mean that we can very easily capture all the fingerprints of guitarists out there? As the their they fingers slide are sliding the- along the strings. Right. I mean right. I don't think so. Nor do I. This has got to be a joke. I don't see how this is going to even work. 
using the power of yeah. AI and extremely sensitive uh, factory calibration. It's it's frictional it, sound waves. Just to be realistic, as was pointed out a couple of times, it really doesn't work all that well. Ah. It doesn't. Or at all. Proof of concept setup. We record friction sounds produced by nine participants as they rub their fingers against the screen of the Google Pixel 4. Covered no, with a right. The phone protector. itself is irrelevant. It's how good is the microphone apparatus and how controlled is the sound in the room that they're recording the subject, is my point. So you're saying the busy subway would... Uh, I'm saying that just normal streamer setup is yes. not conducive to like the perfect recording of how your finger feels against glass yeah but if it's it's residing in there i mean how many times do you swipe your phone a day what do you tap on what 47 million 47 yeah, it depends on how old you are. We got a lot of samples people, yeah there's a huge amount of samples you're getting mm-hmm. but long story short it's nowhere near as terrifying as a lot of the headlines are making it sound okay. all right next from the register how do how to weaponize LLMs to auto-hijack websites. Oh, isn't this a fabulous thing? I The preface to this was, you sort of knew it was coming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, clearly. So what they did is uh, they basically taught uh, various uh, AIs, open AIs, chat uh, uh, GPT-4, GPT-3.5, uh, one's called Hermes, Mistral, La Lama, that I emphasize the L's enough there, um, to try and use SQL in- injection techniques, fuzzing techniques, etc., against uh, locally uh, hosted versions of websites. They did not turn this uh, loose on the internet uh, at large. And they discovered that most AIs were not up to the task. And where they fell down was learning from the responses from, for example, like from an SQL injection uh, technique where they actually got uh, a response that uh, needed to be parsed. And maybe there was one or two steps more that it would have taken to finally crack uh, that website with some of that information. Most of the LLMs luckily were not up to the task. Unfortunately, GPT-4 is Actually, uh, up to up to that, yeah. Uh, yeah, they were. It was actually had like a twenty seven percent success rate on its first attempt, and was significantly higher after they gave it like four cracks uh, at the yeah. same site, and that allowed it to learn enough to take advantage of of typical cross site scripting or SQL injection techniques, and that's uh sad state of affairs we live in that uh, large language models can now be used to progressively potentially hack websites. I just don't think it ends in the lab quote unquote per se here. I think you're likely to see these sort of things in the wild as soon as possible for the people who do this sort of thing. Unfortunately, uh, they were able to yeah. chain together some tip, some typically advantaged uh, tools. It wasn't anything they really had to invent uh, they created a tool chain out of it for browser framework uh, to something to, to called APIs um, and uh, a wrapper that put it together uh, as like a, like I said, as a browser framework. And it really didn't take them much, unfortunately. Yeah. And, so and you knew it was coming. Another... Oh, go, go ahead. Keep going. I'll bring up. Uh, nope, you knew it was coming. Our, 
our AR masters will uh, own us all soon enough. So Jeremy, yep. take it away. Uh, there's a nice other benefit to this where they, they sort of said that, Hey, uh, a pen tester, you know, charges about, uh, a certain amount of money to work, right? Oh, or a security, a human security analyst paid a hundred grand annually, 50 bucks an hour would take about 20 minutes to be able to check, uh, a website manually and a pen tester. So a pen tester would be about 80 bucks or so, which is eight times as expensive as getting an LLM to do it. So they're coming after the pen testers jobs with this as well. Let's move on to gaming quick hits. And our first story, Kingmakers lets you bring an attack helicopter to a sword fight. Please explain. The, the trailer for this is amusing. It, and at first glance, it looks sort of like a mountain blade sort of thing where you've got huge quantities of knights and men at arms and a variety of medieval warriors fighting in giant groups until you realize Wait, that, he, no, he's, he's got an AK. A, yeah, in this one, he's got an AK. Uh, that's a grenade launcher strapped to his back. Uh, at one point, one of the most hilarious things that apparently he's from the future. And in order to save his future, he has to go back and change something in the medieval era. And at one point he jumps into a pickup truck and then time travels into a giant crowd of men at arms and proceeds to run them over with said pickup truck and then pop out with a shotgun and just beat people to death with it. And then she was, them. was Harry turtle dove uh, involved with this. I kind of, you know, that was one of the immediate things I thought of when I saw this, <laughs> but it looks quite gorgeous. Uh, it's coming out sometime this year. They just sort of dropped this trailer, but you've also got city building, uh, to sort of build up your troops and get a nice base for your, uh, army. Because I mean, as well armed as you are, you can't really take on an entire army, but you can do this splat. (laughs) This appeals to me on a visceral level somehow. (laughs) Next up, Star Wars Battlefront Classic Collection deploys next month. You get bonus maps, heroes. Uh, it's coming to the PC even. Wow, that's yeah, incredible. it's like all the original the consoles. There's going to be new heroes that you get. There's new playable characters, uh, but there's going to be a, a bunch of new maps, um, and it's going to be they call it remastered. Used to be a lot of fun back in the day. Uh, this is coming to Steam as well, so you'd be able pick it up there uh, so looking forward to that they're doing uh, up to 64 player you know online not just local so this uh hmm. could be a handful of fun for those who like star wars battle reenactments can you believe that it's really been 20 years since this thing came no. out is this 2004 no oh no i can't well the good one the bad one came out recently okay. so a uh, classic is going to have Jabba's Palace as a, uh, a new map, but there's going to be a ton of uh, Battlefront Two uh, new maps and uh, Bespin and uh, uh, Citadel, Yavin Four is one of them. Anyway, looks like a bunch of fun if you enjoy the Star Wars universe. I'm just going to let the whole Yavin thing pass. I won't. Is it Yavin? Yavin. I, Sorry, I've I always Yavin. said Yavin because that's what they said in the movies. But it is Yavin. That's I think what I they said, said on the record. Or Yavin. You know what? It depends on when the think, inconsistent British accent was happening or not happening. I think we're all at, we're all kind of equal here today. We're at one and one, so let's just leave it at that. 
We are at one on one because smiling. I fixed our um our scaling because everybody was at one point one zoom from last week, okay. but I fixed it. So now we're right. just at one one to one. So we may have alluded to this earlier. I don't know if that's going to end up in the final cut, but there have been increased reports, according to this story at PC Gamer, of crashing in Unreal Engine games, etc. And Epic is blaming Intel because of the power-hungry, high-clocked Intel CPUs of this generation. They could potentially be a little unstable if you don't go in and actually, you know, apply rational throttling specs well i mean <laughs> hey, we could talk in all about fairness <laughs> it's a division of epic games called rad who's responsible for certain oh, okay so code, it's not epic themselves saying oh blame intel mm-hmm. it, it, yeah okay. but you should be the their point up. is is you should be seeing this problem potentially in long handbreaking codes uh high impact well typical cinebench runs hmm. um so anything that sort of is stressful in that manner and the the uh, suggestions to turn down the clock multiplier, but the next one is great. If you have an, uh, and you can take me to task on the pronunciation of Asus, Asus. There is no incorrect prefer. pronunciation of that as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Uh, Asus. Asus. A-S-U-S. I'm just trying to go as Asus. I'm trying to go as far. Asus. I'm trying to go as far afield as I can to to, pro- it used to provoke to be a response. Pegasus. Yes, it Asus. There was Pegasus, Asus. and it was it was broken apart, and then we got <laughs> yeah. Pegatron, Peg, and, and Asus. Asus. And it's the weirdest Asus. name to try to pronounce in English because it's the end of the word Pegasus. So I guess it would just be Asus. anyway. <laughs> anyway, they're also you pegged it. suggesting that you turn off any of these special. Asus modifiers that it's you know, not just Asus because Asus has the multi-core enhancement. Multi-core enhancement. There Everybody has their much. own flavor of this. Asus was a pioneer of this. Their ROG boards back in the day had multi-core enhancement. You could take your 2600K to four gigahertz on all cores using you know automatic settings. It was very easy to overclock. Run at very high wattage. Very hot. Things like that. Very they're going to push more voltage. Very, every, they're going to raise the the wattage limits. They're going to push the clock. Unreal amount. Every they're, motherboard <laughs> that I have tested with twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth gen Intel parts has defaulted to four thousand and twenty five watts as the PL two, uh, and it just and PL1, really. There's no limit. There is absolutely no limit on these chips. And the way that Intel has designed them thermally is, oh, whatever you know they're given, they just take and they just push as hard as they can and will just manage clocks once they reach that threshold, which for, for the most part is like 100, 101 C. So you just, you're, you're drawing over 320 watts before the things, you know, they just start to, I mean, and they, they will sustain that power draw, even if you're throttling. Okay, you're throttling, but keep on pulling the 320, and we'll just see where we can opportunistically boost up to, you know, 6 gigahertz again, or 5 on all cores, or whatever it is. And it's just crazy, because you're just creating, they're using so much voltage that I don't see how these things can last long term. If they're pulling like 100, like, it's it's not just the wattage, it's the fact that it's like a 1.6 volts on some of these chips. It's look, if, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much room. But the point here is that 
<laughs> is is that this is predominantly affecting the 900K series of the last two generations, which, as Sebastian accurately points out, is just almost the same. So we're talking 13900K, 14900K, maybe a few 700K that are getting pushed a little bit, but that's where you're predominantly seeing this issue. So if you're having some instability in your Unreal-derived game or you're, you just can't get that you're just reaching for the stars with Cinebench, you might not get there. And this is probably the problem. So has anybody with these chips tried compiling a Linux kernel and seeing what happens? And running Furmark at the um, same time? And, uh, you know what? No, no, no. I'm, I'm going back to the Pentium 3 1133. Yeah, I thought so. Kyle and the gang is a, and is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's bit rot all over again. <sighs> no, but yeah, I don't know if if, if uh, any of those. It was two thousand, I think, two thousand one. That you know, the Athlon one gigahertz was ruling the roost, and they were about ready to le- release the the one point one and one point two, and Intel kind of beat them to the punch with the Copper Mine eleven thirty three Pentium three, and it mm-hmm. did great on all these benchmarks. But then you tried to do certain workloads, and it would just crash, and they wouldn't be able to complete. And- yeah, yeah. Yep. They they sold something like a thousand, two thousand of those chips, and then quickly stopped selling them because okay. they yeah couldn't run at that speed. If you actually oh, you're seek seeing- out the white papers from Intel, here we have the thirteenth and fourteenth generation processors white paper. This is Datasheet Volume One of Two. I believe there is an electrical specification. Yeah, the second one is derivative. I prefer the uh, first. Power delivery. <laughs> oh, the Let's mathematics. See. They actually yeah. have, there is actually a spec, uh, believe it or not, whether the motherboard vendors uh, follow it or not. As you can see here, ICC Max, maximum processor ICC, is supposed to be 307 amps. Uh, there is a, uh, a different uh, extreme configuration of 400 amps. Standard configuration should be 307, but all of these motherboards are by default uh, putting you into extreme territory or higher. And look at this operating voltage range. Maximum, 1.72. That's fine. It's fine. 1.72 volts. Who cares? Uh, Somewhere in here, I think they get into like PL1, PL2, but the spec for, say, a Core i9 is supposed to be... 253 watts. I don't know where they came up with this number. That's the spec. And if you look up the 14900K or the 1300KS or whatever, Intel's uh, documents will say, you know, TDP 125 watt is like the base. Maximum turbo is 253. But then you, you put it in a board and it's 320 plus because they're not putting any limits at all. Asus boards do make it very easy. You can just choose from the dropdown on the first page, uh, under AI Tweaker, you can just say uh, enforce all limits. And it will set the PL1 and the PL2 to 253 watts. There's never a 125. I always have to manually go in and put in 125, 253, and then the old tau, the duration of the uh, higher power draw, was supposed to be 56 seconds. So you'd always have a drop at about the one minute mark of any benchmark back down to stock but they don't do that anymore. There is no real tau anymore. So you set it to 253 and it stays there all the time. 
and it's but so does AMD. I mean, you run an AMD Ryzen 7000 part. If it's not an X3D, and it's always at the PPT limit. Yeah. But we can we can I can complain about this later because we're going to talk about thermals. I'll try to make it as brief as possible, but that's the segment that we're on. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's so on the subject of pushing <laughs> too hard, but anyway, go ahead. Uh, on the subject of yes. uh, thermals, I decided like a fool that it would be really easy to spin up a cooler review, like a cooler testing station. Like, I used to do this all the time. I was the official like enclosures and coolers reviewer for the site back when Ryan ran it. At one point I started, believe it or not, it's been almost 10 years since my first article was published. PCP.com. March of 2014, and, uh, you know, Kent has not uh, been around lately, so I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll take the sample. Go ahead. I'll do a cooler review. What could possibly go wrong? So Corsair, you may remember, they got into air coolers a couple years ago. They tried their hand at a big dual fan cooler. It was a single tower dual fan called the A500, and it was really loud it was effective in my testing anyway but it it got really loud we're talking like 48 49 decibels under load it had a really great fan clips though the best i've ever used so they went back to the drawing board so the a115 is two towers two fans they're 140 millimeter fans and it is huge this is an absolutely massive cooler is it, is it uh is it bigger than the black rock the old uh the doesn't old... look like it no 164 it, okay it's 165 millimeters tall so it's not going to work in every case 153 millimeters uh wide 155 deep it's it's huge and uh i encountered some clearance issues actually because of how big it is because it has six huh. six millimeter heat pipes and the spread of those heat pipes is so wide Let's look at this picture here. It uh, just think about the uh, how this is going to be oriented. Uh, you know, modern motherboards have giant VRM heat sinks, whether they that, need them that, or not. There really, there really is a, a wide yeah. stance. You, you don't want to get caught in the Minneapolis airport men's room with that. <sighs> you know, okay. always with it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, here, here's some nice uh, differences between the old A500 and this. Now that that one was like direct heat pipe. This one has a nice machined uh, plate on the bottom of it. Would you call it a cold plate? Whatever you call I'd that. I'd call it overly thing. decorative. And they have pre-applied thermal paste in this interesting uh, triangle oh, thank you. pattern. Uh, if you look very closely, you can see uh, the machine. Oh, there's a divot there like the, the milling marks on it where they flattened it out. You see that? It's almost mm-hmm. like a fingerprint. I bet if you put a microphone on this and rubbed your finger up and down on it, that you could tell exactly what cooler that was uh, with a 25% Impossible. accuracy rate. Impossible. Okay. Can't be done. Uh, okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so keep in mind how wide those heat pipes are. Because when we look at this uh, very cozy situation here with the VRM uh, heat sinks wrapping around the CPU socket area. And by the way, yes, I'm still using my thermal right uh, retention. What is it? Contact frame with all the Intel stuff since the 12th gen. And uh, I had to take, I had to take the VRM heat sinks off. I just took them off. And I've watched enough Bauer videos to think 
this is fine. That pro overclockers, they don't need those VRM heat sinks. They're just in the way. So get them out of there. Mm-hmm. Those components mm-hmm. are rated for like 100 degrees or something. And I they weren't getting that hot under load. I'm doing like 10-minute stress tests. It's probably fine. So running without any VRM heat sinks, this area right here that I put a circle around, it was completely blocking the uh, cooler. So I just had to go. If I had turned the cooler and had the fans blowing up or down, it would have been okay. But then, you know, the GPU kind of gets in the way if you mount it like that. Because this thing is so big, right. it would be up against the GPU. Look at this uh, retention mechanism for the, the fan. It's a metal track, and it slides up and down. You can see these little uh, metal, I don't know what to call them, protrusions. And the there are notches. The right okay. There are oh, notches. those are like... Um... Yeah, Here. I see them. They're like compression, that, so that yes. they have a, they have a resistance to them, so that they will lock at a at a particular height. The variable slide and lock fan mount system. Yeah, so that's it's, true. It's great. You just slide it in, slide it out. It's it holds its position. It's like a pair of headphones. You just adjust it with clicks, and it stays in place. And uh, the clamping force is sufficient to keep it from falling down. I decided that I would just go back to the drawing board, start over again, and just create different thermal loads. I didn't test any other coolers. I'm just like looking at how this one scales. So at 125 watts, PL1, PL2, 170, which is the AMD uh, number, 230, which is AMD's PPT number, and then 253. I did, for my own benefit, test 320 watts, which throttled almost instantly. I would say it was in milliseconds until it started throttling. So just talking about degrees above ambient so deltas here this a115 cooler was able to keep the processor in check the highest it ever got was a, a delta of 71.6 c the room was about 20 to 21 c at all times and that translated into the, the actual measurement was 93 c in a 21.4 c room at the time that was during a Cinebench 2024 10 minute stress test so that's 253 watts was about the practical limit of what this cooler can do. I think it's rated for like 260. It's certainly not rated for 320. So after spending some time with this, I realized that it's really best suited to something that's actually kind of thermally sane, like an X3D <laughs> part, for example, because it, it was super quiet when it was cooling what I would consider a, a rational thermal load, like 125 to 170 watts. It was producing only 33 dBA under load. We're talking about a Cinebench stress test with uh, an open test bed, my SPL meter positioned exactly 18 inches away, which is pretty close, and it's not in a case, and it was still under 33 dBA. It was like 32.8 dBA. Uh, Once I pushed it into that 250 range the fans really had to spin up and it was almost 42 decibels when all was said and done. So it, it, I feel like the advantage of a big dual tower cooler like this is that you can, it's like overkill. You get your processor, uh, you know, 120, 140 watt load on an X3D part. And this thing just, you can never hear it. it that's ideal. Why would you want something this big if it was also loud. So mm-hmm. uh, it just, nothing can tame Intel parts anymore. You have to be okay with throttling if you're going to run something like a 14900K. 
unless you I, don't know, I think Unreal Engine does a pretty good job at uh, taming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I and actually yeah. I had started the testing thinking I'll just use an X3D part. And the only one I have here is the 7950X3D, but even that one, it's the same it's it's very um constrained as far as voltage, total wattage. They're very well-behaved parts. They just don't present very much of a thermal load for modern giant coolers like this. They're doing like maximum 140 watts, so those are perfect for this, the you'll never hear it. Corsair fans included with this, part of their typical range, their typical line, are optimized for this for this uh, installation. I think they're higher the static cooler. airflow. Let me get the actual model here. They're AF Elite fans, so I believe you can buy those separately. Um, up to 1600 RPM. At idle, when it was closer to 400, it, it was inaudible. You had to put your ear almost on the housing to hear that it was running and of course my sound pressure meter just showed below 30 db it wouldn't even register anything but yeah below yeah, room the, noise so yeah below well below room noise so five-year warranty on this it's a hundred dollars which is the same price of the a500 from a couple years ago but i mean that one that was uh, i don't know it's kind of an odd duck trying to sandwich a couple of uh, rather loud it's fans Next generation cooling. Yeah, the A115 is definitely a step in the right direction from Corsair. And again, it would be great with a, a part that only pulls the TDP that it says it will pull on the package. <laughs> so let's go to picks of the week. Josh, please get us started. You know, the price of this thing just keeps going down and down and down. Yes. It's the Ryzen 7 7800X3D, now for $370. Uh, you know, originally it was a $450 part, then we'd see it around $400, and then it went to $389. Now you can get it for $370. Or $369 flat. Didn't do that crazy $369.99. So we'll give him props for that. But yeah, if you're in the mood for a new CPU that, that will not stress the cooling that you have, but still play games and everything else really, really fast, this is, this is a great overall processor. Do you, do you need any more than this? The answer is obviously no, you don't. Well, that's that's why I bought a 5800X3D and didn't go up to the 6 series chipsets. Yeah. And They're yeah, Josh. just enjoying are you satisfied with your gaming experience, though? Yes, because you know what? I did uh, some significant testing with video cards and uh, everything above like a 6700 XT. Uh, the 76, no, the the 56, the Ryzen 5 5, 5600X is performed, performed essentially the same as the 5800 X3D. Hmm. Funny how that works, isn't it? It is. Yeah, once you actually, you know, run games that are GPU bound, it kind of doesn't matter anymore as long as your CPU is no. not slowing the system down. They're, they're still Gen 4. And, and this KE one and, won't. Yes. Yeah. All right, uh, Jeremy, your pick. Uh, well, it's a, another Samsung G5 monitor for when you're just desperate for a monitor, but you don't want to settle for a CPU bound 640 by 480 display. 
this huh. one is bigger than the last one I picked and is actually cheaper. These are the Canadian prices, but at 200 bucks off for uh, a FreeSync Pro, 144 hertz, 1440p, 32 inch, it's a decent monitor. Uh, some won't like the overall look of it because it, it's not the prettiest. And some will be upset that it's not ultra wide, but it's 300 bucks. You're not getting ultra wide and those things. It is VA, so you're going to get nice blacks, but it might be a little bit slower than your IPS. But again, this is just sort of crap. My monitor died. I need something and I need something now, or I just kind of want to have a secondary monitor or someone I know is shopping for one. This is a decent display. Uh, a very decent price. And I will try and come up with something better next week, but no guarantees. Jeremy, those, those uh, bezels down low, though, uh, love handles. What's yeah. going on with that? I, I, that's The G5 series has love handles. It's got a but, full, I mean, we're of an age, full set of them. We all sort of have love <laughs> handles, so we shouldn't judge. <laughs> I think it's just an optical illusion. It's just shadows. The, 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 the internet adds the 20 pounds. So, you know. Okay. All right. You're, you're right about that, though. You are. Yeah. Oh, and it's no, only close bottom. Up is not doing it. It's because it's <laughs> curved. We didn't, you didn't talk about the elephant in the room, Jeremy. This is. Oh, sorry. It, yes. It's a hundred thousand. Yeah. It's a non-ultra wide with a curve, which actually is preferred with VA. Cause then you don't have the uh, color shift. Uh, Omega Man, you're cheating. That's American pricing. It's Canadian. <laughs> Two seventy four yeah. US. That's that's surprisingly. So technically, uh, would be cheaper to order from Canada. Well, no, that that's Weird. a twenty seven inch, not the thirty two inch. Oh, mm. and this is the thirty two. Apologies. Apologies. See? Yes. Okay, uh, and the one that's uh, there's apparently a four K one that's only two ninety. But uh, no, this is this is fourteen forty and it's Canadian pricing, which means there's a lot of extra stuff tacked on yeah. before they get it, even at that price. It's like hundred and fifty dollars US, basically. Uh, that's not fair. Okay, uh, Brett, your pick this week. If you've convinced yourself that you're going to wire your own premise uh, with raw cable and you're going to stick uh, male and female ends on it. Uh, if you feel like you need to torture yourself like that, I suggest these to check yourself before you wreck yourself. It's a way to test your wiring. Okay. This is a $39 uh, from Klein Tools, a reputable tool purveyor. Yeah. Tone generation probe test wire trace tester for. Uh, not only RJ uh, older RJ11 and RJ12 stuff, which you probably don't run anymore. I mean, who does? But RJ45, which is probably what you're running, which is standard Ethernet. And this comes in way handy, especially when you're up in the attic or hanging off a ceiling or on top of a ladder, and you just really know need to know uh, what am I crimping here? Is it actually going to connect with the other end that you're trying to set up with a server or with a switch or something uh it's invaluable Does it come with a handy pair of walkie talkies so you can talk to the guy on the uh, other end you essentially need to yell or or you need to bring your own yeah. phone but one of the interesting points about this one is it does have a touch uh sniffer which is a way to just kind of touch the wires unfortunately something i discovered with uh, sh uh shielded wire that, that doesn't work 
but it does work when you've got the wires uh, stripped out and you can actually get to the un- unshielded portion of them to see uh, if you've got tone. Um, it's a, uh, it's got a flashlight built in. At they, show, they show it. Look at that idea. They're pointing at shielded wire in this picture. It sort of works. Um, there's a volume control knob on there. And okay. if you're lucky, you're going to get sort of a distant kind of humming, you know, barely a tone on shielded wire. It doesn't work quite as well on shielded wire, I must admit. But it is a wonderful um, double check on the fact that you're, all your crimps and uh, and punch blocks are actually working. Yeah. Um, this is, you could easily pay twice as much. $39 might sound like a lot. But kind of the next um, name brand um, set of devices up is going to be like seventy or eighty bucks. The thirty nine dollars yeah. is a pretty good deal for this for this kit. Can I get it for like five dollars at Harbor Freight? You can. You, know, you probably It'll can. It'll be misspelled. <laughs> And uh, will it break exactly. during its first use? I would, I would, you're, you're equally testing the equipment and the wires at that point. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's from Clint Tools, but it looks the same. Yeah. This is Clint a tools. Klein Tools, is it's usually a, a reputable a seller. It's, it's a, it's it a is. reputable, yes. I've used Klein Tools stuff yeah. before. And yeah. they don't charge yeah. like Fluke. You can probably get the knockoff uh, Klein from Timu. Yes, please, please yeah. order it that way. If, yeah, yes, 100%. definitely do that. It's a wire uh, detector. Yes, this is a wire. <laughs> There's uh, a conductive surface near me. We just need to leverage AI and somehow to. to strangely enough, the no me. If you're using if you're using the headphones when listening for the tone, it does play the Chinese national anthem. That is correct. Okay. All right, uh, my pick, real quick, is just fiber. Just a reminder that uh, no, there's a free. If you're a PlayStation Mm. Five owner, like so few of us are, you can get a free demo. We all like free demos here at PC Perspective. Free demo for the upcoming Final Fantasy VII Rebirth game. And what's weird about this, and the reason I picked it is, I woke up this morning, was looking at Twitter on my phone, and. Square has, Square Enix had tweeted out, "Hey, the uh, update to the demo is live," and it's like, "What?" So yeah, you get to even more content. They're just they're adding stuff to the demo. They're patching the demo, so they've got two different uh, mini missions to go on, and the graphics look very good. They've changed things since the first game to some extent. The like the environment is easier to uh, interact with. It's a little bit more like Assassin's Creed now, I think, is what it really is. It's like you can actually like jump. There's a That's... jump mechanic now. Before you what? had to like follow the path. Now it's oh, I can just hit jump and like climb over that fence now instead of walking all the way around. So it's it's Final like Fantasy with a jump button. Yeah, it's weird. What? I know. That's I know. Just long. It it feels like I'm playing a a game that's just been skinned with like Final Fantasy elements. Okay. Yeah, no, I want to really spend like three minutes here. trying to find the, the interaction with the proper ladder so I can go up to the useless right. mender. Right. They they make it so easy in this game. It's just weird. I was riding on Chocobos and uh, I was able to just like walk over a fence and get behind a pipe. That's and, like, just wrong. I, I wouldn't even be able... I was, that's just like window dressing in the previous games. Like It's like, oh, I can see something behind there. They did a nice job with uh, you know rendering that thing I can never touch. But... Uh, Anyway, uh, that's it for our show this week. We want to thank you, each and every one of you, for listening, watching, um, 
hitting that like button, uh, subscribing to our channel or unsubscribing, uh, you know, whatever you want to do, just interact with sure, us. Comment, either way. Yeah, comments, and we will uh, generally reply at least for the first couple of days. I like to check comments, interact with people, be part of the you community. Know, even insults, even insults is good attention. Mm, some of them, just keep mm. it clean. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Why we so. don't? No. Mm. No. Mm. It is. Yeah. It is seventy-five percent Josh, though. It so is. That's pretty much true. 